ho, ho, ho. Welcome to the TFT Podcast. That's the Fire You Log Turkey Trot Podcast. <laughs> ho, 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 ho. It's Christmas time. It's my favorite time all year. I'm Santa Matt. And that's Santa Ryan. Ryan <laughs> loves a cold and it's a broken hallelujah. Matt, jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Hey, jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle ball all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Ha, 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 ha. Oh, oh, oh. And we're not alone. Ryan has mrs claus with him it's mrs claus rachel d the most joyful punk rock correspondent in all the land well someday soon we will all be together the fates allow until then we'll have to muddle through somehow ho, ho, ho. merry fucking christmas Okay, is that enough? If I, if I no, beat the, no, that's, we're only we're oh. only two minutes in. We're only two minutes into this eight-hour podcast. <laughs> you oh, oh, haven't oh. ruined Christmas yet. Do I have to keep? Do I have to keep the voice up? Is what I'm saying. Oh, we're talking about. Oh, you do. You do have to keep the voice. I mean, listen. If one thing we are a rigorously uh, adhere to all of the rules of improv, and and the number one rule of improv is do the Santa voice all the time. <laughs> all the time. So the the. Uh, uh, so here's what happened, right? Like <laughs> one year, uh, I was young and like, uh, we made cookies for Santa. Like, it made a whole batch of cookies. And the idea was that we would set out the cookies, uh, a couple cookies for Santa. Santa would eat them. We'd see them with like a bite taken out of them the next morning. And then we could eat, uh, all the cookies, uh, on Christmas Day as we opened presents and stuff like that. And I uh, couldn't wait. I was too young. I had poor impulse control or whatever. I couldn't wait. And so I got into the Christmas cookies on Christmas Eve after everyone was supposed to be in bed. And I ate. And, uh, you know, that my, my parents weren't in bed uh, yet. But uh, so they came down and, um, and saw me like red-faced with frosting, you know, red-handed with red frosting. And they said... Oh, you like Christmas cookies? Well, you're not going to bed until you eat all the Christmas cookies. Oh, wow. And so three or four trays of, uh, oh of Christmas cookies, probably like six pounds of, of flour, you know, and a, a metric shit ton of frosting later, uh, I had uh, type 2 diabetes. And now that didn't happen. That story was a lie. But that's metaphorically what happened between ryan and me (laughs) about a week ago right because uh ryan came to me and said all right i think i know how tft is going to ruin christmas this year here are the three christmas albums uh that that we want to do it's uh the Elvis's Christmas album from 1957. It's an anniversary year for this. Uh, the Hanson Christmas album from uh, 1997, which was reissued this year in a 20th anniversary reissue, and and and, and they have a new they have a new Christmas album this year as well. Oh, uh, it's a new album. Oh, I thought it was just the old one. 
No, no, no. This one, well, I mean, I mean, who <laughs> six of one, half a dozen of the other. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, for Hanson, it's actually a new album uh, this year. Uh, I believe uh, the the one from 97 is Snowed In, um, and two 2017's is Christmas at Last. Um, but but that ultimately Snowed In was the more compelling of the Hanson Christmas albums. Well, fair enough. So we get so we got it. And then uh, Josh Groban's Christmas album just while we were on the theme of Christmas albums from uh, uh, 2007. And uh, coincidentally, not coincidentally, like by, by design, they were selected uh, because they were the top-selling Christmas albums in, um, in each of their respective years. 1957 for Elvis, 1997 for Hanson Snowden, and uh, 2007 for Josh Groban. And I said, you know, we should really... You know, if if you like Christmas music, you should eat all the Christmas music. And uh I said, "Well, we should look up uh we should look up 67 and 77 and 87. Why not?" Uh and and so uh so Ryan uh so with that troll, Ryan retrolled. He uh he 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 saw my my auntie and no my bet, my raise and he raised uh was a uh you know, bold move in poker and it he um raised uh with also Bing Crosby so uh which was 1947 and which was the top record then so we were we were left with uh Bing Crosby 1947 uh white white christmas Elvis Presley uh 1957 Barbara Streisand's a christmas album uh, something called the Soul Soul Orchestra, <laughs> the record, the record Christmas Jollies uh, from 1967, or sorry, uh, 77. Uh, the uh, tribute out, the not tribute, the fundraising album, um, a very special Christmas, which is a compilation and has a Keith Haring drawing on on the front uh, from 87, and then Hanson and Josh Groban, and uh, we all tucked in, we all settled in for our long winter's nap. Um, <laughs> Until today, <laughs> as I was going through this uh, this playlist again, uh, and, you know, I got to Hanson and I was I was sitting there in the office looking at Hanson and like uh, looking at, you know, the thing. Uh, and I realized that Hanson wasn't the last album on the playlist anymore. No, no, no. Ryan had added. <laughs> Uh, the best, the top selling, I won't say best, though probably best, the top selling Christmas album of 2017, which is Pentatonics, a Pentatonics Christmas. So as soon as Josh Groban, oh no, Josh Groban, as soon as Josh Groban's, uh, Oh Holy Night screeched to its, uh, uh, you know, bombastic conclusion, uh, Oh Night Divine, I heard, And God rest ye merry gentlemen. It came <laughs> no, 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 no. I believe "O Come All Ye Faithful" is the first song. Oh, you're right. Sorry, "O Come All Ye Faithful." I, I was pulling that. that, that oh, wow, yeah. And and that interestingly is like you know while it's not that that one's interesting because it grabbed me because the arrangement is a lot more. Um, shall we say, Lady Smith, White Mombasso, <laughs> um, right? That it is, it is a kind of uh, a very kind of 
very, very ripped from the kind of acapella stylings of like the Greece, the Greaseland album, right? Um, it is, it, it is great, um, uh, but it is is a little. Is a little odd. Yeah, um, uh, the uncredited, the uncredited producing credit from Diplo. Right, exactly. The kind of the um, world, the world music, you know, world beat uh, aspects of it for sure. But, but it's good. It comes full circle because uh, after hearing that, I have reason to believe that Santa will be received in Graceland, <laughs> uh, and 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 that is from basically both ends of our of our massive Christmas death march. Uh, that uh, you know, very early on, Chris uh, Elvis uh, welcomes Santa um, and Jesus hand in hand to Graceland, um, and then by the end, Pentatonix uh, brings us all the way back to uh, to to the appropriate of Graceland of the mind. Uh, and it's it's a, it, look we've we've drank from the Christmas fire hose this week. Yeah, it's a, so that's nine records, right? Am I counting right? 47, 57, 60, 70, 80, 90, 2000, and 2017. Eight, eight records. Or mm, yeah. good. I'm glad it's. Oh, nine. We get to divide it into three, but but yeah, yeah, eight, eight records, um, six hours and eight minutes, and we're we're just gonna go in cr- uh, cr- running order, just gonna hit every song right. one by one. Yeah, so we're uh, just so, right, every what, song too. So we're gonna do an hour on each album, so that <laughs> so that the podcast is a hundred and thirty three percent the length of the playlist uh, <laughs> that we're that we're doing. Um, yeah, it's. Uh, it's it's insanity. Um, it's insanity. Yeah, I don't I don't even I don't even know what to say. May God have mercy on our souls uh, for for doing the thing that we've done. So once again, Bing Crosby, White Christmas, uh, Elvis Presley, Elvis's Christmas album from '57, uh, Barbara Streisand's A Christmas Album. The Soul Soul Orchestra's uh, Christmas Jollies, A Very Special Christmas by uh, by various artists, Hanson's Snow Job, no, Snowed In, uh, Josh Groban's Noel Deluxe Edition, uh, and Pentatonics, A Pentatonics Christmas. Um, we'll we'll put the TFT Christmas Death March uh, as we'll embed it as a uh, as a playlist that you can subscribe to on the show notes for this episode and and um, and God help you as you God rest you merry gentleman or lady as you uh, let nothing you dismay as you go through this this Christmas album. Now I I didn't I mean like there are definitely high and low points, but I don't know I didn't mind this. It kind of got me in in the Christmas. Spirit. Spirit, guys, what what did it make you think? Yeah, I think we need to take this as an opportunity to learn from Christmas past, present, and future. <laughs> right? We need to. We oh, need. Did, did the rapper Future release a Christmas album? <laughs> I, I will. <laughs> add it right now. Just added it. Adding it. Uh, you know, we just to kind of you know, I think because it all ends up you. Know, you know, fruit as you go marching through time, you see like the kind of certain patterns emerge and kind of certain timeless, you know, certain timeless themes uh, continue or like like different resurgences and things. It's I think there's something I think we can learn something about ourselves while we <laughs> march through uh, these eight Christmas albums. 
Yeah. And I mean, there's a lot of that. I, I mean, I think we'll, we'll say this. I mean, the one that I kind of knew that surprised me the most as an album, I actually think was um, the Elvis Christmas album, mm-hmm. um, because I knew, you know, I think the one that you hear the most is Blue Christmas. Um, and I, I have been less familiar with the other songs. Um, and there's there's a lot of fun stuff there. And it's and I think as an album is one of the more interesting Christmas albums. I mean, we can kind of talk more about the construction and the layout, but uh, there's, a, I think there's like a lot of great playing on that album. Um, Elvis's perf- vocal performances are neat. And the song selection, I think is really um, interesting for like, in terms of uh, the types of uh, songs that he chooses to put on the Christmas album. So sure. that was one of several surprises. Um, and yeah, there's, there's, there's a, well, I was going to say, Stuart did the obvious to say, there's a lot here. <laughs> um, yeah, that's it's really it's. But it, no, I think overall, um, and I think what's good about this is, I mean, it was hard to go straight through in one sitting, but like knowing that this was kind of in front of me at different times of the day and different use cases could choose different, uh, uh, different Christmas albums. I was actually running this morning. Um, and actually the Hanson album was a pretty, is one of the better Christmas running albums because it's all pretty up tempo. Um, I guess we can talk more about this, but it's, you know, Hanson is a lot more of a rock band than than one might remember, right? Um, and 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 there's there's I think it's kind of um, it, it definitely this the whole sound of the album of, of the Hanson album um, was was also one of several um, generally present pleasant surprises that cropped up on this playlist. Um, yeah, I do I do um, I agree, right? Hanson played their own rec- their own instruments, like they played actual yeah. guitars and actual drums, and it's it, you know the uh, kind of dominant modality of teen pop today is electronic, you know, yeah. and not not really instrumentally driven, more producer driven uh, as you know as music kind of beat beat and sample driven, and so that's like it is quite a thing to remember that you know at the time there were still uh, at the time there were still uh, these fucking teenagers still played rock and roll, right? Yeah, I mean, in that way, I mean, they're kind of they're more like Haim than they are like Britney Spears, right? Yeah, ex- exactly. Like Haim, I that's why I like Haim so much, right? Like they're so uh, they're they're just so retro. No, they're they're really mm-hmm. good. They're good musicians. And when I saw them live, like they played all that stuff. They really all yeah. that kind yeah. of intricate stuff. It was real, and they did it like live in front of you. It was pretty rad. Uh, and and Hanson like are back. I've actually seen them in. I've seen press that they've done recently. So apparently the brothers Hanson are you know uh, are back at it. Right. It makes. I mean, it makes sense definitely from the kind of like. 90s pop nostalgia angle but and and kind of in, uh, but i it is and it, interesting listening to them we can get into it more that just as heim kind of part of the way their rationale for playing kind of soft rock 80s soft rock is that that's the music that their parents were into and what they were kind of learning to play together you know you you hear a lot of kind of more 70s rock um in um 
in Hanson, right? And so they were kind of playing um, the music that their parents were into, right? And it sounds a lot more, it's, and so the 80s weren't far enough, you know, removed. And so it's more this kind of 70s, slightly bluesier rock, right? And there, there, there are a few riffs on this Christmas album that sound like taking care of business um, or one that sounds a little bit like, um, I believe, like Rockin' Me by the Steve Miller Band, right? And that's kind of the lane where a lot of it is. Um, and it's, it's, it, it was, it was really, it was really interesting, right. Um, as, uh, both a nineties piece and a kind of pop piece. Yeah. Um, all right. I, I think it's time, uh, to send them deep on, to send them, to let them go on the death march. Uh, Ryan. Yeah. So like, uh, let's, let's let them go. Uh, so, all right. Uh, everyone start to, uh, start to play the playlist, bake some cookies, tidy up, decorate, trim a tree. You know, whatever, uh, or, or, you know, go, go dance around, go for a run and listen to some Hanson, what, whatever you want, or, uh, go listen to Elvis and have an extraordinarily sincere, uh, experience of worship and religious devotion. Right. <laughs> That's a, right. You know, right. with some with some like no holds barred gospel music, uh, no holds barred religiously and no holds barred in terms of um, uh, no holds barred in terms of like all the feels, you know, tugging on tugging on those heartstrings and using kind of every sentimental uh, every sentimental move in religious observance to kind of to kind of keep you there and keep you going. Uh, and we will uh, we will be back here. After this word from our Christmas sponsor. Are you recording a Christmas album? Oh yes. I, I can't I can't wait. It's gonna sell like hotcakes. Well, I bet you you must feel two pressures that pull, are pulling you in opposite directions. Uh, one to include all of the Christmas standards, but the other to write your own bullshit Christmas songs. Am I right? I had such a great song about how Christmas doesn't feel the same, you know, without exercising every day. And I really wanted to commit that to paper. Yeah, well, what if I told you there was a way to have your Christmas cake and eat it, too? What? I'm talking about Christmas medleys. Wait a minute. So you're saying I can touch upon 15 or 20 different songs that are considered part of the Christmas canon but cut them all short so that I have time for my 10 original songs about each of the different boyfriends I dated in the last two years. Oh, that's right. You can shoot yourself out of that Christmas canon, um, rip through all the standards, and then write all, all your songs about snuggling in the snow uh, and, uh, and, and how you just wish there were a little more peace in the world. That's pretty amazing. I, I, I don't even want to sing that verse about how Mary did nothing taken scorn. Uh, I don't even know no. what that I don't even know what that means. I'm just doing the first verse and the hook of every song. That's right. Give it the the treatment that the, give it the karaoke treatment where you realize that you don't know it all that well and you don't want to. Because let's face it, when you go really really start thinking about Christmas music, it becomes a downer, and no one wants to buy a downer. I could just say Frosty, that cut it out. Yeah, just cut it out. We don't know. We we get it. Frosty, he's a guy. He did something meddling. Next song. Next song. This is what you can do. Christmas medleys. Cut the crap. Sell your records. <laughs> and we're back. 
Matt and Rachel, I have questions. Oh, oh, good. oh, oh I'm good. so glad that you have questions. I, I have a question, Ryan. It's what, like a little gift. What, what did you get me for Christmas? That's my question. <laughs> oh, you'll find out. <laughs> this, memories. <laughs> memories. Memories and experiences. Um uh, and, and surprises. No, so my question for you, uh, yeah. Matt and Rachel, is um, this this Christmas playlist, these these eight Christmas albums from my, 1947 to uh, 2017, um, which of these were your were your favorite, and which of these were your least favorite? Mm. <laughs> what did you like the best? <laughs> Let me rephrase: Which of these albums were naughty, and which of which were nice? <laughs> <laughs> I so I I didn't realize the Sol Soul Orchestra wasn't like all a medley. <laughs> I thought actually because I I heard the med- medley and I, I was kind of half paying attention, but uh, I heard the medley part and so I was like, oh okay, this is a medley. And then another song came on and it it by and large sounded about the same, like more <laughs> more or less the same groove. And then there was another. Or there were two medleys in a row, right? Like and then Sleigh Ride uh, comes up and like no one plays all of Sleigh Ride, so I assumed it was just that the. I, the next song in the medley and that like uh that just continued through the whole you know 40 minute lp so a little bit like um i don't know i I didn't realize there were actually separate tracks on that i thought it was just this giant through 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 composed uh through composed thing i don't know for me like um the the highest variance was a very special christmas right Mm -hmm. uh that had like that had the lowest lows or that that had the most uh the most variance the most kind of like range in in quality um i don't know is there a special prize for like uh for like really uh, uh for a jewish singer singing like <laughs> <laughs> yeah go, go on yeah Oh, tell us, yeah. tell For, us exactly what Babs does because she she does so many things. <laughs> well, not only does she do a math rock version of Jingle Bells that's like Jingle Bells, Jingle Bells, Jingle Jingle Bells, Jingle Bells, Jingle Jingle Bells, Jingle Bells, Jingle 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 Bells, Bells, Jingle Bells, Jingle Bells, Jingle Bells, Jingle 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 Bells, Jingle 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 all the way. Oh, what fun! Oh, what fun! Oh, what fun! Jingle Bells, Jingle Bells, Jingle Jingle Jingle. I'm Barbara Streisand. Jingle Bells, Jingle Bells, Jingle Bells, Jingle Bells, Yentl Yentl Yentl. Jingle Bells, Jingle bells jingle bells jingle all the way barbara streisand oh what fun oh what fun dashing through the snow and then we got upsot upsot (laughs) what does that mean life is all right in a jingle bell life is all right in a jingle bell (laughs) so anyway like uh not only does she do a math rock version of jingle bells um you know, but she uh, she also sings things like um, Ave Maria. Uh, she sings a, a musical setting of the text of the Lord's Prayer, right? And these are the this is the the first and the final track on her Christmas album, right? And and her just the conviction, like the the panache with which she sells the Lord's Prayer as a as a pretty definitively. Uh, pretty definitively Jewish woman um, is uh, is 
quite a thing. It's quite a thing to behold, <laughs> for for sure. Uh, you know, behold, behold, uh, lying in a lying in a manger. I bring you good news of Barbara Streisand. Well, I guess, um, I guess in, in, in a way, like, right? Her true the, uh, her true church is uh, is the theater, right? <laughs> um, and, uh, and and she is the she is the priestess, right? Um, I mean, it is it, it's just amazing, and it's all throughout, even the. Um, you know that I think another one, right, is uh, she does um, my favorite things from the Sound of Music, and it's and again, you know, this is the the most maybe the most theatrical performance <laughs> of my favorite things ever, and that's saying something because you know it is a song that is often very theatered up, and it is like she like whispers it, right? She like whispers it with with great with great kind of feeling, and and every you really feel every schnitzel, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Then. Yeah, right. It's like oh, all the Germanic foods I love. <laughs> yeah, all of her favorite German foods: the schnitzel or the other one. Uh, strusel. Strusels and schnitzels. Schnitzels. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's really it's quite as an album and as as a thing is quite a, a a feat. And it's also like you think about this as the kind of most popular you know Christmas album in you know the years. Right in the times of the great kind of musical cultural upheaval of the late sixties, you know, um, like you know, Christmas, uh, Christmas wasn't for the hippies, right? Um, uh, and 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 yet there is still something still very kind of challenging about this. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that's right. But Rachel, you didn't get to answer your 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 Christmas naughty and Christmas nice. I think my my Christmas nice is, you know, I I don't know. I think I lean towards probably the earlier albums. So like uh, Bing Crosby, uh, Elvis, and Babs. Um, but like maybe like kind of leaning towards Bing Crosby. Uh, I just think there's something. It's so good, yeah. right? It's just so good. Yeah. It's good. There's, I like the like also kind of like the, eh, you know, it's the old schoolness of it, the like low fidelity and like the really weird arrangements and. Were there specific know, weird arrange, arrangements that like grabbed you? I don't know. I think it's like a, you know, you no one's gonna do Adestis Fidelis, you know. <laughs> no one is gonna do. Uh, no one's gonna do like, oh, let me sing the Latin version of this, right? Like, no one's doing. So, I mean, you just get some interesting choices that are, like, I guess, you know, um, a result of the time in which this album came out and, like, what was popular or, you know, commercial then. And I, I think it's it's just kind of interesting. I, I do think he has, like, a very nice voice. He doesn't over-sing, in my opinion, which is, like, definitely a plus. Well, right, because he, he was like under—he was the first to understand the microphone and how to sing into it, um, which is crazy, right? It's that one of his innovations was he understood. Uh, he he was he was very into I mean, what I read is that he was very into recording technology, uh, and kind of was very interested in figuring out how to effectively sing into the microphone, which is different than singing into a concert hall, right? Um, and singing live, and he was kind of the first uh, singer of his time to master this. And, what- and you. Right. Like it's it's something that we've, uh, you know, not to just take it down a, a rabbit hole, but like we've uh, discovered in nearly 10 years of doing podcasts, which is that um, 
with, with the microphone right in front of your mouth and like generally ear headphones in people's ears, uh, it's it's a much more intimate thing. It's like you're talking. It's like being being Crosby is whispering is like kind of you know murmuring sweet Christmas nothings in your ear. You know, rather rather than the the model, the mental model being like I'm singing this in an opera house or something like yeah. that, and like the and that's just the way I sing because that's how I know how to sing because all the occasions of singing that I've ever done have been in in that. He sort of understood that like probably not headphones in the headphones in the ears, but probably like you know hi-fi set in the living room right roaring fire or something like this like back when you know putting a record on the gramophone was like a family was like a communal family activity was you know uh the the way we all now just sort of uh, a whole family sits on sits on their couch and plays different casual iphone games simultaneously right uh they used to like listen to uh records together and and uh you know can can you imagine can you imagine such a thing children can you imagine a world without iPhones? Bing Crosby lived in that world. Every, every so often, Bing Crosby would stop his song and say, are you, hey, are you still there? <laughs> <laughs> you still watching? When, when you're when you're when you're Christmas binging, uh, Bing Crosby checks in every every so often uh, to make sure uh, make sure that you're uh, that you're that you're still there. Um, I mean, I guess that's why I relate to Bing Crosby because I too remember a world without my iPhone. Yeah, I mean, in a way, Bing Crosby was was a millennial, just I mean, like of the other millennials. Right. <laughs> One could argue that I am the greatest of my generation. <laughs> But uh, no, but it's, you know, it's interesting talking about this kind of like, um, I guess, like singing for the theater, singing for the microphone. You know, I think there's like this like long continuum. I, I like the Babs album because even though she definitely has more of a theater singing style, I still think there's, um, I don't know, like she managed, she can manage to like kind of dial it down just enough or change it to like the medium I just think it's interesting. Never has someone like Bimbo such a chameleon and then also like so herself, right? Like it, like it's her, like there's just like no, uh, removing like Barbara Streisand from the, like the performance in the equation. But like, I do think there's something kind of chameleon like about being able to like, just like, I don't know, really, like you said, like commit to Ave Maria, man. Like it's, it's cool. Um, and she, she's, she has a, I mean, I love her voice, uh, but she's definitely more on the theatrical end. And then I think like the naughty for me, um, <laughs> is definitely Josh Groban, <laughs> um, you know, a, cause it was too long. Like dude needed to cut his album. Yeah, and yeah, then, his album was, was, I felt to me like three hours of this six hour playlist. Uh, and it's just, <laughs> You know, he has a beautiful voice and whatnot. Like, it's technically appealing, but (laughs) it's just so, I mean, it's just like the performance is so, it was like, everything was like the same kind of rote, like, like operatic performance, right? Like, there's no, you know, Barbara Streisand changes her phrasing and like what she's doing and like the tone, like she, she tries to like kind of. She she puts a spin on a lot of these like standards that that makes it kind of you know there's like a personality there and a kind of perspective on like the way the song is performed, whereas like Josh Groban is this like I don't know operatic like player piano that just like belts <laughs> out like 
frosty snowman in the same breath as whole little down of Bethlehem. Like as if they deserve the same kind of like tenor and seriousness. And, you know, I, the whole thing ends up being so like repetitive and boring. And then like you feel nothing. You know what? Right? You know what it needed? You know what it really needed? Frosty the Frosty the Snowman Frosty the Frosty Snowman Snowman Frosty Frosty Snowman Snowman Bumpity Bump Bump Bumpity Bump Bump Bumpity Bump Bump Frosty Snowman Frosty Snowman Snow Snow Frosty Snowman I say what you will. It like the thing is because <laughs> the, the thing about that what it does is that it grabs your attention and you say what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> say what say what you will about the tenets of math rock. At least it's an ethos. Yeah, well, you know what? I might, either, right, so, like her song, right? It's it, and, and what I love is that right. Her jingle bells is called Jingle Bells. bells? <laughs> There's a question mark at the end, right? She's like she's calling into question the very construct of the jingle bells. <laughs> <laughs> Ray, whereas every every one of Josh Groman's songs is all caps with an exclamation point, <laughs> right? Uh, Silent night. <laughs> <laughs> that's I mean that's very funny. Um, I uh, I mean I actually kind of liked this. Look, okay, I I relate to this Christmas playlist in two kind of phases. One is the the initial counter troll. Uh, that was, um, that was all the, the records with Bing Crosby, uh, through Josh Groban. And I, I was already, um, to do the podcast about with generally, a uh, like a golden age to bronze age sort of narrative that was like what, what we've witnessed since 1947, since winning the war, uh, you know, before starting the new one with North Korea or Iran or whatever, uh, the, uh, but no, but Matt, Matt, on on the re-release, Josh Groban says that war is over. Oh. I mean, <laughs> it's great if if you want it, and apparently we don't. <laughs> we just, the, the main the main problem is that we didn't want it enough. We didn't want peace enough. <laughs> so, the, so go ahead. Um, I was. Uh, I was um, all ready to to spin a narrative of like how we've declined from Bing Crosby to Josh Groban. Josh Groban, who should be even more like he's had, you know, 60 years to get used to 70 years to get used to mic technique, you know, and that or I guess 60, 47 to 2007. Right. I, I guess another 10 years would have made the difference if he made this record in 2017. Um now, I suppose he was like Bing Crosby when he made White Christmas was a mature artist, right? And Josh Groban was I still was I guess young because like Josh Groban is is a little younger than us or is about our age, right? right. Um, so so you know he was still maybe kind of feeling his um, he was still maybe like just kind of uh, wanking it a little bit, and that's what. That's what that record was. But the, the, um, you know, but, but, and Bing Crosby was like at the height of his powers. You know, there was no, there is no more Bing Crosby, Bing Crosby than the Bing Crosby in, in White Christmas, which is a fucking delightful film that everybody should watch on Netflix. Uh, I do it. I, with, it has, uh, Rosemary Clooney, uh, in it. It has Danny fucking K, one of the greatest and, and sort of lesser sung. It's not unsung, but like lesser sung, uh, uh, musical theater performers playing the kind of the Donald O'Connor to Bing Crosby's Gene Kelly. Wow. There's a bunch of references that nobody who listens to this podcast is going to get. 
Um, so I was already because like being Crosby, like just discovering how to use a microphone, like there are soft sections and loud sections. And in that respect alone, it is miles away uh, better than the Josh Groban album. And Josh Groban is ju- just kind of like bellows everything. Yeah. You know what I yes. mean? Yes. And that like and uh, and so I was all ready for that. And then we added pentatonics. <laughs> <laughs> and now I don't even know what is Christmas anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think Christmas is a um, is a to me what I take from this is a Leonard Cohen song covered <laughs> made famous by Jeff Buckley. So the, <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Like the the. Uh, there was like there were a lot of stages like Jeff Buckley heard the like John Cale version of that yeah. song or something yeah. and that like inspired Jeff Buckley to make the Jeff Buckley version and that that then inspired a whole bunch of of whiny bullshit yeah, yeah, it's a basically a game of like religious telephone, right? Of like of, of existential telephone. Of like, here's a very kind of profound and interesting and weird song, and then it's it passed down the line um, until it is it, it it is you know become a copy of a copy of a copy down the human centipede until. <laughs> <laughs> Until pentatonics, all five of them, <laughs> one in chest and defecate. Uh, the uh uh you know like 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 a figure in a catalan nativity <laughs> they they ingest and then defecate this this song and and um and yeah and then then we listen to it all right so so hallelujah like i yeah you know i liked hallelujah before it was cool to like hallelujah i just want to just want to establish that i don't get indie cred with a lot of shit but uh two places where i feel like look i was onto this shit before all you motherfuckers jumped on the bandwagon one is lord and the other, which I, you know, which I learned about, uh, which I learned about from BuzzFeed, like a, like a true, you know, culture, <laughs> <laughs> cultural elite. And, uh, and the other is Leonard Cohen. And I had the record with Hallelujah on it. Um, you know, it was out of print and I found it in a whatever. And I, I love that. I love that record. That is a whole record about religion, about the kind of the, the, it's called various positions. It's a, uh, it's a whole record about kind of the push pull between kind of individual experience and especially erotic attachment and experience and religious conviction, religious feeling and, and kind of a sense of the numinous and spiritual stuff. And so like there is a very deep, uh, and profound kind of reflectiveness in um, in Hallelujah in its original version. Uh, the, the in the the much later versions, it's a little bit like, man, when my heart's broken, it's like Jesus died on the cross inside right. inside me. <laughs> right, and then in this context, it's like it's like there's a whole manger inside my heart, right? <laughs> like, uh, and and but that manger includes both a baby, uh, an immaculately. Con- Seemed baby and a bunch of pooping animals. Right? <laughs> the cattle are pooping. The baby awakes, and yeah, and but uh, ironically, if you listen to the arrangement 
of, or I guess not, it's not strictly speaking ironic. It's, it's, uh, uh, strangely apropos. If you listen to the arrangement of Hallelujah, uh, the Leonard Cohen one is enormous, orchestral, has like mm-hmm. a gospel choir on it, is bombastic. Um, and the, you know, and this is the thing, right? Like he's kind of taking the piss, uh, he's taking the piss out of, exactly. you know, of like all of this, all of this stuff. And he's kind of doing it by going as big as he can. Now, all of these ones, uh, all of these, uh, uh, common ones that follow Jeff Buckley are, um, are like very stripped down and like to a certain extent, it actually does deliver the song better. I would argue than you know, it's, it, 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 like, it sort of makes it more accessible. It's uh it's a difference between cocaine and crack, I suppose. Like it's more, it makes hallelujah more bioavailable for like mainlining. But, uh, but it also is, I think a misreading of the actual artistic impulse, um, behind the song. Now, for what it's worth, John Cale did it by not singing the rhymes, right? He would say, you know, maybe there's a God above, but all I ever learned from love is how to shoot at someone who outdrew you. It's not somebody who's seen the light, you know, or what, uh, uh, it's not a cry you hear at night. It's not somebody who's seen the light. It's cold, it's a broken hallelujah. Yeah. And just like not delivering the rhyme. Right. Hmm. Uh, and, and then, um, and then, you know, but all the, all the ones, all the ones do. And, and they kind of underline it like, how to shoot at someone who outdrew. Yeah. You know, then, <laughs> that's like the best impression I've ever heard of every one of those covers. Right. Exactly. Um, really makes you think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Any anyway. Sorry. That's I. I just I really love that song and it and like I I hate what's happened to it. Yeah. No. It is. And it's it's it's. Uh, I mean, in some ways, right. The the other thing that's worth underlining is that while um, Pentatonix Christmas is the top selling Christmas album of this year of 2017, it was actually released one year ago, right? Um, and so it's interesting though. It was released October. Um, 21st 2016 so that's actually they i guess they had hallelujah on the album before leonard cohen died so i see i actually when i saw this originally 2016 album i assumed it was kind of something that they put on um after after he passed away but it was actually they they were already kind of thinking that they wanted this in the context before it became then the song that everyone was covering and playing so that's actually very it's kind, of, it's kind of interesting. It actually recontextualizes my expectations a little bit. Um, I think it's interesting right, that, um, you know, the, the, this is one of a few, right? So, so Pentatonix um, does a few things on this album, right? Most of this album, part of what makes this an enjoyable album, I think, is that it's overall, especially if you listen to the non-deluxe version, the standard edition is 11 tracks, 34 minutes. So it's it's quite brisk. Um, a good proportion of that are standards, and they're kind of split between kind of the religious standards and kind of secular standards. Um, but then Hallelujah is one that is kind of a song that is recontextualized as fitting within a Christmas album. And then the other one is um, Coldest Winter, the cover of the uh, Kanye West song from 808s and Heartbreaks, right, from his auto-tune album. Um, and it, it, and I think that right in this kind of, I, this, these, this feels like a very, um, 
a very acapella move, right? Of, you know, of, of a thing that you would get at your like colleges, acapella groups, um, Christmas concert, right? That they do some of the standards and then break out one of their pop covers. I mean, again, and, and it's in some ways, like, you know, look, we could, we could have the urge to poop on acapella, but like that, like we're in the, like one, we were in college, we're in the one, like, you know, step of narcissism of small differences, uh, like a removed of being in the marching band that played, um, pop culture arrangements. Uh, right. We were an acapella group with instruments. <laughs> um, and, uh, and, and then had that similar spirit of kind of, in, you know, of, especially, you know, in, in the arranging and selection of songs of engaging with pop music and creating kind of curating a set of songs together for a halftime show or for a set of songs to play at a sports event um, that, that, that juxtaposed uh, that created these juxtapositions and kind of created that sense of surprise. And so that kind of even, and even going from Leonard Cohen, uh, the way the album sequence is good, it goes from Leonard Cohen to the Kanye West coldest winter. And it actually is a move that really works. I mean, that said, I think that it, uh, the even better Kanye song for a Christmas album would have been, I am a God, right? <laughs> uh, you know, hurry up with my Christmas croissant. <laughs> <laughs> hurry up. Yeah. I mean, I just, I mean, I, I, I like I like the idea of uh, Pentatonics sort of standing there being like you think you're better than me marching band you know and that <laughs> <laughs> Hey, you know when our football team loses? That's like Jesus has died on the field.
<laughs> yeah, so I agree. We should talk about Elvis. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, I'm a hunk of hunk of burning Santa. Well, no, yeah, because it's, you know, talking about dying Jesus made me think about the Elvis Christmas album. Uh, because, you know, as much as this, the album, the, uh, the Elvis Christmas album starts from, um, you know, starts with kind of Christmas standards and goes through Christmas standards for about, you know, oh, maybe eight songs. The last four are all kind of gospel songs, are all kind of gospel songs, right? And and they're not all necessarily intense kind of, you know, Easter songs necessarily uh, or songs about kind of you know, the, the, the death of, of Christ and resurrection of Christ. But they definitely... They definitely cue that a lot more. I, I feel like they they kind of feel a lot more about the sacrifice of Jesus, right? Like they they really underline the reason of the reason for the season, um, and and the kind of what comes at the end of the birth of Christ in a way that like kind of no Christmas album I've ever listened to does. Yeah, because even I think most Christmas albums. Um, I would say that, like, the predominant, like, kind of, like, popular religious Christmas songs are the nativity bangers, right? Yeah. Uh, is what I call them. Uh, and they're, you know, they're all, like, setting the scene, right? Like, yeah, and Jesus was there, and Mary was there, and the little drummer boy was there, and there were animals, man. You know? uh, and, like, a lot of those songs are, like, they set the nativity scene up. Right. And then there's kind of like a there's kind of like a fleeting, a fleeting or like uh, maybe not fleeting, but like there is some discussion about like, and you know what happened that night. Right. <laughs> it's it's like almost I don't know. It's like these songs are all kind of like that show vinyl where it's like in one night the guy discovers hip hop. <laughs> And like punk and like CBGBs and like television or whatever. Right. There's like, I think yeah. the first episode that like, and the reason why the show did not continue is because in one epic night, this guy like discovers the invention of hip hop and like the, some of the greatest punk bands of our time. Yeah. yeah. He, he, he discovers all seventies music uh, in like one wild night in New York city. Right. Bobby kind of. And I would say yeah. it's kind of like, these activity bangers are kind of like that. Right. Like they're all kind of like, yeah, uh, yeah, you know what happened then, right? Like Jesus, yeah. <laughs> you know? um, and right, so especially I, once you get past the medley of British version, it's like, yes. yeah, no, I think you know if you do get past like the like the more you know if if a Christmas album goes into like all the verses of some of the nativity bangers, then I do think you get into a little bit more like kind of you know, reason for the season kind of content, right? But a lot of these songs do kind of stay on the kind of, like, setting the scene and, you know, whoa, imagine what it was like, man, you know? <laughs> um, and, and so I do think there is something different there, even from, like, you know, it, it's like a different level of religiosity to, like, actually kind of even stray from, like, the nativity banger, um, ethos yeah yeah absolutely and so it, it creates and again it was it was just surprising especially because the 
I guess the, the, the main preview of it, right, is so the, the Elvis Christian album, right, it goes, um, at least in the original release, I mean, I'll go by, yeah, I'll go by, I think the original release is the one that we we have, or I'll, I'll go off of Spotify, right, um, is that it's, um, it's, it's Santa Claus is back in town, White Christmas, um, Here Comes Santa Claus, I'll Be Home for Christmas, Blue Christmas, Santa Bring My Baby Back to Me, um, Oh, little town of Bethlehem, um, silent night. Um, and then, uh, is the, um, is, is the run of gospel songs. There'll be peace in the Valley for me. I believe take my hand, precious Lord. And it is no secret, right? So it's very heavy on kind of more secular Christmas songs. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but I, I think that one that kind of is the preview of the turn it takes in the last um, piece is actually here comes uh, Santa Claus, um, which ah, I believe interesting. Right. And so that was a Gene Autry song, right? It was a country song. And actually a number of these that aren't, um, that were a lot of these were kind of had their origins as country Christmas songs, but if it, it, it jumped out at me and I never uh, noticed this is in the, I think it's, um, like maybe the like the bridge of of uh, here comes Santa Claus is um, he doesn't care if you're a rich or a poor boy he loves you just the same Santa knows that we're God's children that makes everything right fill your hearts with Christmas cheer because Santa Claus comes tonight right and it's I mean and I I had heard, I'd heard this song a bunch of times and I had never heard but I think I'd always heard it medleyed uh, or just heard the chorus um, and that man the punchline of here comes Santa Claus uh, is like here comes Santa Claus uh, oh and he's got who's in the back of the sleigh JC right? <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's just and, and I think that that then cues and gets you ready for it's it's that there had not yet been that kind of fracturing of the santa part of christmas um and and the um and and the and the jesus part right because santa claus right is derived from from saint from saint right uh from you know saint nicholas right um and so that you know we kind of think of santa claus as the representative of um of secular christmas and jesus as as the representative of religious christmas um and, right and they're kind of set up as these figures like in some of the south park christmas episode right um and they kind of interact in that way and and compete and have a certain kind of tense relationship but i think that that kind of the unity that that kind of christmas unity of the of the of of the christmas justice league basically um uh is is really there on the uh on on the elvis album oh my god is, what, what you're saying ryan is that the war on christmas is fake news <laughs> I think I have said that. <laughs> that that Jesus and Santa were always, uh, you know, were always kind of colluding, you know, and uh, and Santa is like Santa's like no collusion, no collusion, <laughs> you know, but there's no collusion, but uh, you know, but they were uh, they were always colluding. Now, like looking at the Elvis, it's twelve tracks, it's about thirty minutes, so it fits on an LP at a, on a thirty three and a third uh, LP, um, probably. Probably the side switches at, at after Santa bring my baby back to me, you're, right? You're right. Yep. No. Yep, right. You're yep. correct. Oh, is that correct? Okay, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't oh know. yeah. I don't have it. I don't. I only have it Spotify. I don't. You know. Uh. I, no one is. Uh, no one has filled my stocking with. Uh, 
with Elvis's Christmas album yet, TFT audience. You know, <laughs> at message us at TFT podcast to get my interest to send me Elvis's Christmas album. Uh, I think Santa's still trying to figure if out. If there's any justice children. in the world, uh, if there's any justice in the world, listeners, you all you all know what to do, and that's to send Matt ten copies of Hopeless Fountain Kingdom. That's right, um, which is what he really wants for Christmas. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, say what you will about Elvis's Christmas album, it's no Hopeless Fountain Kingdom. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah not it's no hopeless fountain kingdom it's it's hopeful frozen lake you know little town um the uh and then so there's like a there's a secular side and uh and a religious and a religious side. And I just yeah. like I, I like the way Elvis is like, hey baby, let me just put in the tip with uh, a little town of Bethlehem yeah. <laughs> and Silent Night, but he ends up fucking you hard with uh, <laughs> Peace in the Valley and like Precious Lord. Precious Lord is such a beautiful song, I it think. Really is. A beautiful like gospel song. And it is but it is no secret. Right now, now, okay. In the religious, in the like, whoa, whoa, get that poker away from my rectum, uh, stakes. Uh, actually, um, the uh, Bing Crosby really won that for me because, like, faith oh, of yeah. faith of our fathers is yeah. downright sadomasochistic. Right? Let me let me just uh, Google some of the lyrics here. <laughs> <laughs> faith of our fathers, holy faith. Uh, we will be true to thee till death, but it's, it's beyond that, right? Like, um, faith of our fathers living still in spite of dungeon fire and sword. Oh, how our hearts beat high with joy whenever we hear that glorious word. And then the refrain after every verse, faith of our fathers, holy faith, we will be true till thee till death. Our, our fathers chained in Christian Gray's red room of pain. Oh no, sorry. Our fathers chained <laughs> in prisons dark were still in heart and conscience conscience free. How sweet would be their children's fate if they like them <laughs> could die for thee. Now, now okay. <laughs> right? Like the one of the standard analytical moves of lyrics on the TFT on the TFT podcast is to say who is saying this? Right? Because there are two strophes in this in the, or there are two couplets um not couplets. There's there's uh, two halves in this stanza, right? Our fathers chained in prisons dark were still in heart and conscience free. Like if they were suffering for God, then they were still they were still all right. They were all good because, like, uh, you can take away their liberty, but you can't take away their inner liberty. And also they feel like they are in alignment with still a kind of a more fundamental direction, which is their direction towards, you know, religious belief. Now, who says the next two lines? If their children would die, if their children were likewise tortured and killed, uh, martyred for for being Christians, uh, that fate would be sweet. Is that our father's? In their prisons, dark thinking that, or is that the narrator of the song? Uh, so I, I, I have a third interpretation. It's, it's I think it is the the narrator who is the like metaphorically the children, right? And so I think here's a piece of this song is that so this is written by um, Frederick William Faber, um, who 
um, had been um, a clergy member of the Church of England, left the Church of England for uh, and converted to Catholicism. Um, and so this is a song about Catholic martyrs uh, in the time of the establishment of the Church of England. And so that and this was part of um, a movement in um, kind of mid 19th century um, Church of England, in which I believe I believe it was it was called the Oxford Movement. Um, that was um, uh, that was centered at the University of, of Oxford, um, and was around kind of a return to pieces of um, of, of kind of Catholic practice um, and theology within the Church of England, um, and then a number of the prominent um, uh, uh, clergymen and thinkers left uh, and and kind of um, actually like left the church or and or were excommunicated and um, and and then converted to Catholicism and some were uh, um, ordained or um, and and I believe even um, one I think it was Newman um, uh, I believe yeah John Henry Newman I believe uh, is is uh, is is a saint? I, 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 yeah, I Carla, Car- Cardinal Newman's a big deal, and a lot of college religious centers are yeah. uh, named Newman centers after John Henry Newman. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Because I, I, you know, and it's funny because like some of the the conflict. You fucking Germanic, you Protestant, you. <laughs> no, not even right. It's the, I'm a Methodist, right? I am. I the, I am the, the the people who were driving out the the those. I, I'm sure my ancestors were were uh, accusing someone of popery, uh, <laughs> uh, and uh, and I'll tell you that popery stunk. Uh, <laughs> 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 oh man! Oh, wow! So you were you were I was raised yeah. Catholic, and I actually very much like potpourri. <laughs> I buy a lot of it from Santa Maria Novella. <laughs> but the uh, I mean, you know, it's 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 no, no accident how much potpourri and incense is part of Catholic uh, religious exactly. services. You know the uh, you know the whole the whole thing. Um, so what you're saying is that you your fathers were chaining. My father's in prison's dark. <laughs> I think that is, but right. So, kind of getting back to this is, I think that context is important. Of going back to the lyric about the the children is sort of saying, like, I like I, I read that as as like I would. Oh, if we could be martyred like that, right? Um, and it's you know, it's that 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 if we could kind of have that chance. You know, it's it is it actually turns up ahead. Uh, uh, it's the it's like the mighty mighty Boston's. Um, I never had to knock on wood. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's like, but like, uh, right? Yeah, I'm, uh, not, I'm not. I'm not a coward. I've just never been tested. I like to think that if I was, I would pass. Right, exactly. Is that it is basically faith of our fathers is the impression that I get, the impression that I get about Catholicism. Right, um, and so and, and then one other side story uh, on uh, faith of our fathers is that, and I didn't, you know, I only came to know this history recently uh, once you kind of pointed out the lyrics. So I know this as the song that. that so there is a member of my family, a very eccentric uh, uh, fellow, kind of extended family. Family, um, I, if you kind of put a gun to my head um, and, and actually asked me to kind of say the exact relation, you'd probably have to just shoot me. Uh, but anyhow, kind of extended family member, and he's become. 
the, and and through reasons that are kind of obscure to me, um, the he manages to insert himself as singing a solo at every funeral in my family, um, and, uh, and and gets himself kind of booked into this, and always sings "Faith of Our Fathers," um, and sings it, and so and he has a, he has a great voice, um, but he is a so he is a Quaker um, and has a large bushy beard, and the way that he sings it when he hits the faith of our father um he holds the, n- the note and he obtains a, a vibrato by by quivering his entire head and beard um, <laughs> and, uh, and 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 it is, it is a sight to behold and i i first saw this i witnessed this at my great-grandfather's funeral and was kind of dumbfounded um and then <laughs> well were you uh, how old were you i mean that's probably terrifying if you're really a child i was i was in high school so i was i was more you know i i, I was able to kind of have a little more distance uh, from it i was i was of the hansen it was probably around the time of the hansen christmas album um and so and, and and so i i uh for some of my cousins that were not at my great-grandmother's funeral uh this guy was on the uh the on the, on the bill for my my to sing at my grandmother's funeral and i like beforehand at some point said i told my cousins i did the impression of this family member singing which was basically me just kind of like just quivering my head um and so then as a result when faith of my our fathers came around um during 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 our grandmother's funeral everyone started laughing because my 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 impression was that accurate um uh, of the of, of just the bombast uh and just the quivering beard um just just beard quivering um and so that was my my first um i'd never really gotten past the beard um but the, this kind of reading is there's a lot more here and again it's odd for it to be now it's become reappropriated by the protestants right we're we're all protestants and and this is sung uh, in protestants you basically remove the references to mary um and 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 it's been reappropriated um but so that is yeah it is again not exactly what you expect to hear on a christmas album because i mean it's not a nativity banger you oh know? no it's not setting the scene. No, it's a death banger. No. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's so. It's the opposite of a nativity. It's banger. the opposite of a nativity banger. Uh, it's you know, and it's uh, it's so political. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so political in that respect as well. It, it yeah, it definitely doesn't. I mean, it really has nothing to do with Christmas. I would even argue Mm. in some ways it's like Mm. less to do with Christmas than even some of the secular songs, which at least are like kind of this like pagan American Higa kind of thing going on. Right. Like unpack that a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. Like because. All right. We haven't really touched on like kind of like the main like bread and butter of most of these albums, which is these like. These like I I call them like American Higa like songs. Explain Higa. And so Higa is the uh is like I you know I don't think it's like easily translatable, but it's supposed to be this kind of stand in this Danish like stand-in for like coziness, comfort, like like kind of you know like feeling cozy and comfortable and content, um and things that like you know trying to do things that create those feelings of coziness. Uh, and I think 
you know, I think in the American imagination, we don't really do that necessarily, except around Christmas time and maybe around pumpkin spice latte time. But but really Christmas time, so many of these songs are about, you know, about creating like American Christmas higa, right? Like being cozy because it's cold outside and popping corn and watching snow and hanging out with the bubby and like, you know, it, you know it getting comfy under pillows and blankets and, you know, having too much food. There, there's kind of like this, this, uh, the strain of like the American Higa songbook. Um, you know, and in some ways I think those are almost like in their, like, like just celebrating kind of like the time of year is in some ways more like Christmassy, right? And more rooted in a kind of like pag- like pagan Christmas, you know, mm-hmm. than um than this kind of, you know, this this political this political song about like Catholicism and like re- and and you know, remembering Mary, right? That she's important. Um, but yeah, no, it it doesn't, it really, it's interesting because in that it's, it's as, it's kind of like, it's a different kind of misreading of Christmas (laughs) and what it's all about. I mean, I like creating that there are like multiple levels of nostalgia here, right? There's like greatest generation nostalgia, which I don't even know how to think of Bing Crosby in that connection because he's like, he's creating it, <laughs> you know, like, that's the original, that's like the wellspring of the nostalgia, there's like, there's there's nostalgia for this sort of like this white suburban America that never actually really existed as authoritatively as we, as we like to remember it, but that, this like, you know this kind of Don Draper house in Connecticut, like Christmas, uh, snowy nostalgia, there there's Anglo nostalgia and in and uh, or Anglo Irish or Scots Irish nostalgia, right? I, nostalgia for the British Isles, where I think like Christmas and Killarney on the Bing Crosby album is an important text in this connection. And then there's there's like Northern European, there's like Scandinavian and Northern European nostalgia in the sense of like Christmas being Saint Niklaus and uh, mm-hmm. you know all all of this shit. And it's just like it's you know and it. It's a it's sort of fantasy nostalgia all the way down. Um, I don't even know I don't even know how to uh, how to think about it and the way it the way it um, it's interesting the way in which each decade uh, sort of tries to you know, tries to sort of create this. Like, Bing Crosby is, they're, they're actually, America is actually grateful that World War II is over. <laughs> you know, right. like, it's still, you know, it's it's a little bit like, it's it's a little bit cocksure, I suppose, and like, uh, feeling good about itself. Uh, you know, for Elvis, um, it's, it's kind of, that's, there's a sort of Baroque version of that, but Elvis is Southern. And so there's a, uh, there's an additional kind of layer on top of that, right? Like Barbara Streisand is about, um, I, sort of acting uh, is about a sort of simulation, right? This mm-hmm. this sort of Jewish musical theater singer, the like the Ur Jewish musical theater singer, doing this simulacrum of Christian devotion. Uh, mm-hmm. The Salsa mm-hmm. Orchestra we haven't even talked about, so like let's let's just let's just sort of skip that. Um, the eighties. Wait, wait, no, let's not. Let's wait, 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 wait. Not. Let me do my. Let me it's let me finish my. Disco is not dead. Disco was born in a manger. 
major <laughs> in a funky, funky major. <laughs> That's it, Ryan. You've ruined Christmas. <laughs> You've ruined it. Wow, this is a new record. It only took me an hour and six minutes. <laughs> I had a whole. I was gonna march through. I was gonna march through the whole rest of the records and relate them to this theme that I was trying to develop of sort of nostalgia for an original that that that, that never existed. I'm not, I was gonna do that. I think I think Salsoul does it as as well. Um, I, I mean, or or is I mean, go, go through the rest of them and we'll see how Salsoul um, fits in or doesn't. No, right? I'm, because, not, I'm not. I'm not going through the rest of them anymore. I don't want to. Well, fine, fine, fine. Then, I, then, no. then <laughs> I'll then I'll eat all these Christmas albums myself. <laughs> <laughs> fine, enjoy them, eat them, eat all the Christmas albums. You know, I, I think um, I will. I think we will. There's two of us, so we, there's a lot of Christmas albums to go around. I think that I think that the idea that the '80s one is a is a compilation is interesting, with kind of ideas of individualism in the '80s, uh, and especially since it's sort of a benefit album, and and you can kind of see a. Um, you know, you can kind of see the the sort of the beginning of the like the splintering, the beginning of the like the personalization of American mm-hmm. of American mm-hmm. society, right? Like in just just in the fact that I I don't think it's like stretching it too far, you know, to say that to say that it's it's this like Hanson uh, seems to like link the the type of authenticity of like quasi grunge music of of the 90s of like rock and roll to yeah. uh to the authenticity of the the christmas mist- nostalgia josh josh groban is just gargling my balls <laughs> well, and, and, I, I, I would say that groban is the closest to being kind of nostalgic for back to bing bing crosby kind of right right but but in this totally overblown so, um, way right where it, it is it, it is kind of um, you know uh, you know hashtag no filter between Josh Groban and your eardrums right <laughs> um, and and it's it's you know rather than the kind of you know coming back from um, World War Two by you know Josh Groban in two thousand seven you know we're you know we're in the uh, you know the seventh year of the George W. Bush presidency, um, right? And you have the "I'll be home for Christmas" with the voicemails of service uh, men and women um, in uh, Afghanistan and Iraq, right? Um, and 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 it's and, and I mean, that was like I don't know that was very jarring to me, um, and it was and it was it was it was striking um, to to hear that, um, and it's a very different, right? I, I think that that kind of as much as there is a nostalgia for this kind of right. normal a normal classy christmas it it undercuts it right <laughs> yeah yeah i mean here's i i think that that like I think that there's a there's a uh, different oh and then like Pentatonix achieves like Baudrillard simulation the final stage of the simulacrum where there sort of is no no center and it's it's auto tune all the way down uh, and it's uh, it's a, a little bit multi style there's kind of no there's kind of no stable identity from which we can uh, you know from which we can sort of develop a, a coherent theory of of Pentatonix um, you know there. Are there are five tones, not one tone. It's uh, it's not uh, it's not syntonic. It's 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 pentatonic um, or more. Uh, the the you know the the Christmas music 
imagine okay so like i i feel like the the um the voices of the service members belonged in like a christmas special and like a yeah. network network tv christmas special yeah. yep. the, the christmas music playing under that though should not have any of that at all Right. And be, the, the music is meant to kind of provide a norm. Right. The music mm-hmm. is meant to kind of provide the, the stable thing. And like if you, you know, a, a little bit over in the overthinking podcast over the last couple of weeks, I've sort of been developing a theory of the holidays as like being always al- already ruined because the holidays are a um, they're an ideal, you know, and and they're you can't you can't achieve the ideal because it's an ideal and it's not just like life does not admit to the to the achieving of an ideal like this it's it's um you know it's it's a thing that never actually happened right like if you think back to the christmases of your childhood if you could like go and look at them on a uh on like a like a replay you you weren't as happy as you remember yourself being <laughs> because like life is life it's not you know it's not this kind of like sepia toned uh yule log warm glow uh kind of thing um well, and actually, I think that that kind of circles us back, back to salsa, <laughs> uh, because I think that, and, and I think in that way, salsa. Oh come on! Oh come on! Come on! Just dance! Just dance! dance. Christian blues away! Just dance! So I think that that salsa is, you know, and and. As you see, as much as there is this kind of a linear progression, I feel like there are dialectics as well. And I feel like salsa is this kind of also similar to the pentatonics um, kind of piece. Because I, I feel like while there is – like the, the salsa is two things. The one time it is um, – it, it is disco music, right? So it is, and I think where salsa is good is like entirely in the bass lines, right? Oh my god! <laughs> I actually I like love the bass lines of this album. Like if you would honestly, if you took away the bad singing, I could just listen to the instrumental. <laughs> well, and that's what it is. And, and the one kind of thing that we didn't hit, right? I think that like right the years either before or after or both in the eighties, uh, the top selling Christmas albums are Mannheim steamroller. And I think that like in listening to salsa is like, you need salsa kind of to get to Mannheim. Steamroller, <laughs> right? um, and so as much as it is um, disco and is kind of a product of its time, and I think it's success is a product of like the world in 1977, 78. I think it was the top selling Christmas album of not just 77, but also of 78, right? People, people, People heard this um, and went back for more. Um, and I would guess that maybe the medley just got like a ton of airplay um, on kind of disco radio stations around um, the holidays. And, um, and and so that it, it has this kind of, you know, that, that it was the time, right? Disco had not yet died for our sins, <laughs> right? And so that uh, that people people wanted disco, but at the same time, the, the kind of mode of arrangement was also a bridge into kind of easy listening, kind of elevator music as well. Um, and, and so that it kind of, um, it, it is that important bridge, I think, between um, between Streisand and uh, and and the and very special Christmas um, in this kind of in in this type of nostalgia. In part because I think it is a kind of 
Right, a denial, right? Um, and you know, in uh, you know, and and I forget exactly all this argument, but something that stuck with me from Milton Kundera's unbearable lightness of being is there's a chapter where he talks about kitsch as being the denial of shit, kind of. <laughs> um, and and the, the, that is, you know, in some ways, right? This is Christmas kitsch, right? In that um, by kind of right moving all of the Christmas standards to the medley, right, and kind of really going, you know, maybe a verse and a chorus. Is that right? It is. It is actually a, a a kind of a purging of a lot of what has come before, while while trying to retain the form. And in some ways, we've we've never really recovered from salsa, right? <laughs> <laughs> and so, so we can't deny salsa. We we have to have a salsa truth and reconciliation co- commission uh, because it is. I think it's it's. Um, right, I mean, just thinking about going from from Streisand to Salsa, right? It's it's that that gap, um, and and the gap in the kind of reverence, um, and in the kind of complexity and multi uh, facetness of um, of of what a Christmas album is, and kind of what that's saying about how the, we as a culture are experiencing Christmas, um, is it never really quite comes back after that, right? It, it, there's a real break, and I think it's it's emblematic of what's kind of happening as America goes, right? It's the it's the long slow descent into the warriors, right? And it's it's um, you know uh, the the Streisand Christmas album is from a from a Mad Men time, and the um, and and uh, the. Uh, I, and and salsa is kind of more from like the deuce time, right? Um, and and so it's a it's these are I feel like that's an important step into then what kind of the 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 at least the stretch that comes after that from the eighties the eighties nineties and um and 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 the teens the pentatonics mm. <laughs> the teens <laughs> the penta yeah. the, the pentatonics. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, yeah. I mean, I give Salsa credit for like so aggressively breaking away, right? Right. <laughs> and I, you know, because I think there's something like, you know, this is no like she and him Christmas album <laughs> where it's like they do the Melikaliki Maka, I forget how mm-hmm. to say that song. Uh, but, you know, they don't do like the. Uh, I don't know, it's like British Generation Face, right? right. Like, oh, I'm going to do these kind of like old old songs and these old old and these like kind of old standards or songs from the songbook uh from the american great american songbook um with maybe some like reverence songs but like none of them are like delivered the same kind of conviction I, I i agree you know i think there's like more kind of like a actual it was just like a sincerely more a part of the culture right and mainstream culture at the time like uh, for being crosby and elvis presley yeah well i think it's just as it's really interesting right because like last year we kind of just discussed kind of all the genres that all the christmas albums that we discussed last year casey musgrave she and him and jimmy buffett all really partook of the not just greatest generation face but it's kind of tinsel face right? yes it's, yes yeah it's the tinsel tree christmas of the kind of 50s nostalgia yes and again elvis is the is, is the 50s album here right um, and while it has a little bit of that he's you know? really nothing like all the tinsel face artists yeah, yeah, right yeah um and so i do kind of give like credit to Sal soul for just like really breaking away from that completely like this is just like this is them it's like we do disco it is christmas 
Ergo, Ergo Christmas, Christmas, Christmas disco. disco. Sure, it, right, and it's also it's also like the least white, right? It's like yeah, it's the least white, and it's kind of that's it's like the most modern. It's sort of like you know, this is it's definitely shaking up. Like you know what? Like we we live in the now, man. <laughs> like this is this is this is the now. This is what it is, and we. Th- this is where we're living. We're living here in the now. <laughs> right, well, and yeah. I think then yeah. similarly, the other kind of piece, and, I, and, and is that's worth kind of um, uh, 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 mentioning, is um, from uh, uh, a very special Christmas. Is Run DMC's Christmas in Hollis, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, which is. Uh, and a few things about that um, is uh, one is that it is kind of you know the the earliest I, I think you know I'd say I'll go on let me say best Christmas rap song um, yeah right. um, it is you, a fair claim. Um, you know and I'll say I mean it's a the, there are a few other good ones um, that are that are on there's a Spotify collection for uh, Christmas hip hop but it gets it gets pretty. Pretty bad, pretty fast. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, the, the Christmas in the house is great. And I, I think it's just like one of the, it's a great Run DMC song, right? Mm-hmm. Um, not even just for a Christmas song. Um, and then it's also worth noting that the song that it samples um, is a song um, uh, called Backdoor Santa uh, by uh, Clarence Carter, um, uh, uh, who you may know. Um, it, from a, a clever friend of yours singing his song Strokin at karaoke. Uh, our clever friend who likes to sing Strokin at karaoke is Matt Balinke. Uh, <laughs> uh, and uh, actually, that this song, um, the Backdoor Santa song, um, which uh, uh, was supposed to also appear in its entirety uh, on A Very Special Christmas, um, performed by Bon Jovi, um, and was eliminated in favor of a more tame and appropriate um bon jovi christmas song i believe the so there was like a first pressing um that has bon jovi's backdoor santa on a very special christmas and i believe we have that copy on vinyl we have <laughs> we have the backdoor santa vinyl um and uh and 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 but yeah and so i do think that and, and that's it's a, like you said uh, earlier. Um, a very special Christmas is fragmented, right? And, it, and on the one hand, that means it's it's kind of diverse um, in terms of styles and genres and performers um, in a way that the other albums are not. But it also is signaling that then it's it's like it's kind of like. You know, a very special Christmas is kind of our last Christmas together as as a family, as a big American uh, monoculture, right? Because I feel like each of these songs is like meant to like trick some demographic into buying the whole album. <laughs> <laughs> like one track, right? Yeah, totally. Um, you know, <laughs> and it worked. I think mean, I bought it because of Christmas and Hollis, um, and uh, yeah, so it right. Worked. And someone else got tricked into buying it for the Madonna song, and someone else got tricked to buy it for steaming eggs <laughs> you know who knows right but yeah it's it's all it's a lot of trickery here <laughs> i mean it's so interesting because this strategy would work today but for the well i guess it's a similar thing right it's in some ways this was like the first spotify album right because mm-hmm. this was a strategy in some ways i wonder if we will see more 
very special Christmases um, in uh, in in future Christmases, um, whether it's from this um, series or just of this of this type, um, because you know now because all of the action is on the Spotify curated um, playlist, right? There are so many. Um, Christmas micro genres on Spotify. And so you could do very well. Um, this is a phenomenon we've talked about with kind of um, albums overall of, um, of, of uh, 2017 um, is that you can do very well if you can place your songs on multiple playlists, right? If you can be on Badass Women and Dark Indie and um, <laughs> Between the Sheets, right? And so if you can, if you can be on Rockin' Christmas and R&B Christmas, uh, and uh, Bob Seger and the Silver Bullet Band Christmas, <laughs> which I'm sure is a micro genre uh, unto itself, um, then that's a way to sell. So I think that that is this is kind of um, is is definitely going by that strategy, and and so in some ways that makes it I think very kind of timely for what what our current Christmas um, landscape looks like. Yeah, I mean Spotify is nothing but a giant. Uh, you know, a giant kind of exploded version of very special Christmas. I mean, now every Christmas is very special. And when every Christmas is very special, no Christmases are special. <laughs> <laughs> and And I think we've managed to ruin Christmas. All right. This has been... Uh, the the uh, TFT Christmas Death March for 2017. Uh, we hope we've ruined Christmas for you. Uh, I've certainly, Ryan and, and Rachel, I feel like certainly it's been ruined for me, and I thank you for that. I thank you for ruining our Christmas as well. Now, um, the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When, as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost, and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people for their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not, till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name, keep it real. They call me Backdoor Santa. I make my runs about the break of day. They call me Backdoor Santa. I make my runs about the back break of day. I make all the little girls happy while the boys are out to play. I ain't like old St. Nick. He don't come but once a year. I ain't like old St. Nick. He don't come but once a year. I come running with my presence every time you call me, dear. Well, we've each read our scripture. 